Good people of the internet. I am Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message. And today is Monday, July 12th, 2021. Uh, as a reminder, do me a favor, subscribe to our YouTube channel, tap that notification bell, share these videos, yada, yada, yada. All right, we got four stories for you. There is a ton going on in the world. You know, I try not to tweet on the weekends. I play around in the locals community and I share some food and that kind of stuff, but I usually shut it down on the weekend. So I not paying that much attention to current events and everything else. Although people are always texting me about things and everything. So it's hard to really escape, which is why I do that whole August off the grid thing. Uh, but a lot happened over the weekend. So we got four stories for you today. First, uh, Kamala Harris, you know, this woman, she's that like psychotically cackling vice president. Uh, well, she had a, did an interview where she's basically now saying that rural people, people who live in the middle of the country, uh, that they can't find photocopy machines for their IDs. So that's why we shouldn't have voter ID laws. These are the same people, she is the same woman, uh, who will tell you that black people in inner cities can't get IDs. So if you're black in an inner city, you can't get an ID. And basically when they say rural, they mean white. If you're white in the middle of the country, you can't photocopy your ID. I mean, the soft bigotry of low expectations truly knows no bottom to this pit. So we're gonna hit that. Then of course, the big story of the day is that there are massive, massive anti-government, anti-communist protests in Cuba. It's quite extraordinary. We've got some video. And of course, we've got some reaction, not only from our uh, wonderful mainstream media here in the United States, but you'll see the stark contrast in responses by some conservative leaders and some lefty leaders here in America. And sadly, it will not surprise you. Uh, the third story, uh, yeah, the White House is now officially promoting systemic racism. We know that they've been pushing it in to the system already, right? Like even with the COVID relief bill, where if you were a black farmer, you were gonna get benefits that a white farmer didn't get because I'm pretty sure COVID uh, chose who it was gonna affect based on the color of skin. Well, now the White House is going all in. So we've got video of everyone's favorite, Jen Psaki. Uh, and finally, CNN. Have you watched that clown network uh, recently? It's, it's just terrible. You shouldn't watch it. I hope you don't watch it. And if you do watch it, I hope you've got some vodka with you. Uh, well, they are really, really uh, going all in on attacking unvaccinated people, people who've made a choice for themselves and perhaps their, their family and loved ones. And they are ramping the scare tactics up to like level bananas. So we are gonna cover all of that before I get to it. Uh, I wanna talk to you guys about Bambi. You know, when running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, the list goes on and on. And HR manager salaries aren't cheap at an average of 70,000 bucks a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, -E, was created specifically for your small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can transform HR from your biggest liability to your greatest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day to day, all for just $99 a month, month to month. No hidden fees, cancel any time. If you're like me, then I bet you didn't start your business because you wanted to spend all of your time on HR compliance. Ain't that the truth? Let Bambi help get your free HR audit today. Uh, go to Bambi.com slash Ruben right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Ruben, spelled BAM, 
to the BEE.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, so we've got some video of Kamala Harris. Now, this is the cackling woman who was polling at zero in her own presidential party primary when uh, she bowed out of the race and then Joe Biden or whoever's pulling Joe Biden's strings chose her as the vice president. And if you wanna see what the soft bigotry of low expectations is, here is exhibit A. Is agreeing to voter ID one of those compromises that you'd support? I don't think that we should underestimate what that could mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't, there's no Kinko's, there's no Office Max near them. People have to understand that when we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course, people have to prove who they are, but not in a way that makes it, them, it almost impossible for them to prove who they are. God, these people never stop lying. They are gaslighting all of America. Let's get that exact quote there at the end. Of course they have to prove who they are, but not in a way that makes it almost impossible to prove who they are. And then her argument is that if you live in the rural area, let's say you live in Montana or Idaho, there's no Kinko's near you. There's no Staples. You would be unable to get to a photocopy machine to prove that your ID is yours and photocopy it and then send it to the proper authorities to vote. Uh, she then says, I don't think we should underestimate what that would mean, meaning voter ID laws, that you'd have to prove who you are. We shouldn't underestimate what that would mean. That, in my humble opinion, that would mean you as a citizen would have to show an ID, prove who you are, and then you get one vote. One vote, one person, let's prove who you are. Zippity dippity, right? Like not that confusing, not really crazy racist right wing stuff, pretty standard sort of civil society, you know, kind of 101. We have to have some rules to make sure that we don't have voter fraud. But the thing is, the Democrats do want voter fraud. Like what could possibly be any other conclusion than listening to that and thinking that woman wants there to be voter fraud. These are the same people who will tell you, I mean, Joe Biden has said this repeatedly, that black people don't know how to get an ID or don't have the ability to get an ID. He also said that black people don't ha can have no ability to get lawyers or accountants, and they're not sure how to get online. These are the non-racists. I mean, really think about what's going on here. So on one hand, she's telling you that the inner city people, because when they say inner city, they mean black people. So inner city people can't get an ID and rural people can't photocopy an ID. Thus, we should have no ID requirements when you want to vote. This is gobbledygook that is designed to make sure that we don't have any voter ID laws. And when she says it, makes it almost impossible to prove who they are. I really want you to think about this. Really think about this. Please let me know. Please join us in our robust conversations at rubenreport.locals.com and let me know, do you know anyone that if they had to show an ID or photocopy an ID to vote, that that would be almost impossible. 
It doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. And I hearken back to my interview about a month and a half ago uh, with former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, we did it right here in this very room, who when the Democrats in her state were saying, oh no, people can't get IDs, what are we gonna do? She said, okay, let's put money for it. Let's put money into a program to ensure that everyone, black, white, gay, straight, et cetera, et cetera, can get a voter ID. And you know what happened? 12 people took her up on it. 12 people in all of South Carolina. So the point is that when you get on a plane, you have to show an ID. When you buy a beer, you have to show an ID. As I said last time, I went mini golfing. I had to show an ID because they wanted me to return the golf club. Yet for some strange reason, I have to meditate on this, the Democrats don't want you to have IDs. And not only do they not want you to have IDs, or not have to show an ID, I guess they want you to have an ID to get on a plane and get a beer, right? Like they're not complaining about that, but not want you to show an ID to vote. And there might be a reason for that. And we'll all have to think about what that reason might be, but these people are just ridiculous. Okay, let's move on to the to the real story of the day because this is absolutely extraordinary and, and it's also, um, I'm feeling very proud of America right now because the people that we're about to show you, these are pro-American people. You're gonna see American flags and people chanting about freedom. And you know why they're doing that? Because Cuba has a communist regime, okay? And these people want to be free, right? They don't wanna be under the gun of the government all the time. Actually, this past weekend, I was in Miami and Miami obviously has a tremendous amount of uh, Cuban refugees, Cuban immigrants. And ironically, yesterday I took a very early flight. It was Sunday morning. I took a very early flight, flight from Miami back here to LA. And I'm in the Uber and the Uber drivers, most of the Uber, I can't say most, but a, a huge percentage, it seems like most of the Uber drivers in Miami are Cuban. Now that might be for good reason. They come to this country to find freedom and then they have to work jobs. Not everyone wants to be an Uber driver, but it's a great job to have uh, so that you can hopefully build a better life for your family and your children, all that stuff. Anyway, I'm talking to the Uber driver at like seven in the morning before these protests were happening, as far as I knew, and I don't think, I don't think they had even started yet. And he was going on and on about how much he loves America and how much he supported Trump and how he hates Biden and a whole bunch of other stuff. Anyway, then I get off the plane and then I'm seeing all these videos of what's going on in Cuba. So first we're gonna show you a quick compilation, about 40 seconds of three different videos about what's happening in Cuba right this very moment. So there's obviously many, many more videos like that. There's tons of videos with American flags and people chanting free. They want freedom, they want liberty, all of those things. It will not surprise you that so far the message out of our administration, Joe Biden tweeted something and then Saki said something, that basically these protests are because of COVID lockdowns and, and not being able to get enough vaccines. Yes, I am not making that up. That's what Biden's tweet basically said. It is complete nonsense. That is not why these people are out on the street. That might be 
25% of it, that they're not happy with whatever the communist regime is doing related to lockdowns and vaccines and everything else. These are people who want to be free. You know that thing that most likely, if you're watching this show that you have, that they don't have in places like Cuba and places like Venezuela and places like North Korea? That's the thing that they want, the thing that we so take for granted. Uh, so, of course, our administration is giving a very confusing and muddled message because the, the administration, in effect, because clearly Biden, whoever's running the, the Biden show, Saki, all of the Democrats at this point, because they obviously have leanings that are in kind with the socialists, with the communists. They like that stuff. That's the stuff they're ushering in here. They don't want to come out as anti-communists, right? So the messaging is very confusing. These aren't pro-capitalist or pro-America or pro-freedom uh, rallies. These are actually rallies because of COVID vaccines. Like it's such extraordinary nonsense, absolutely extraordinary. Uh, so we've got a couple tweets here. We picked three people. Uh, they happen to all be Florida people because there are so many Cuban immigrants in Florida. So I thought this would be interesting. So first, this is from Senator Marco Rubio, who uh, is his family is from Cuba. He often tells the story of his parents as first generation immigrants. Protests in Cuba isn't simply about shortages. Socialism promises guaranteed food, medicine and income if you give up your freedom. When, as always, it fails to deliver, you don't get your freedom back. That's why protesters are chanting Libertad. Uh, and then he has the couple hashtags there that people are using on Twitter. Then from governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, Florida supports the people of Cuba as they take to the streets against the tyrannical regime in Havana. The Cuban dictatorship has repressed the people of Cuba for decades and is now trying to silence those who have the courage to speak out against its disastrous policies. And then finally, uh, this is Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, who you may remember I interviewed a few weeks ago in Miami. His father was uh, the mayor of Miami, and now he's the mayor of Miami. His father from Cuba, I believe Francis was, yeah, no, Francis was, uh, was born in Miami for sure. Uh, he said, the Cuban regime's military police are shooting at unarmed Cuban protesters fighting for freedom. 60 years of communism, cruelty, and oppression cannot last any longer. We are imploring the USA to take action as we peacefully demonstrate on the streets of Miami. So that's some of the messages. All three of them obviously are Republicans from California, as I said, uh, because of the location of South Florida to Cuba. Uh, there are a tremendous amount of Cubans in, in Miami and in Florida more broadly. And if you just want to meet a group of people who love freedom, who love America and all of those things, uh, then you should meet some Cuban Americans because they're a great example of what the American dream absolutely is. Uh, now I will read some tweets about what's happening in Cuba from AOC, Ilhan, Omar, and Bernie Sanders. Oh wait. There are none. There are zero tweets from AOC, Ilhan Omar, and Bernie Sanders, and a bunch of the other ones from the Hamas caucus. And the point is, and the reason is, that there are no tweets from them, as I said, is because they actually support the regime. They want the United States to be more of a communist socialist dictatorship. They want the government to have all of the power. So they don't want to promote anything that might show people yearning for freedom and yelling about liberty and showing the American flag because it's the antithesis of everything they believe. So really think about what's going on right now. Like again, you know, as I always talk about, we all have friends that are on the fence about these things, a little bit unclear about what, you know, the truth is, what the, what the real message of what's happening in the day is. And it's like, this is a pretty great example. Those people 
people want freedom. Who's standing up for the freedom? Well, I just mentioned the Florida Senator, Marco Rubio, the Florida Governor, Ron DeSantis, and the Miami Mayor, Francis Suarez. Uh, one of them, or two of them, happened to be Cuban originally, you know. Uh, so it's like, you see, you see what's happening here, and then nothing. Nothing from AOC, Ilhan, and Bernie. Hmm. Sort of like the first story, meditate on that, I will. Uh, all right, let's uh, jump back into America for a moment. So you guys know I love this Jen Psaki. This is a woman who's just, her ability to lie, it's like, you gotta kind of admire it. It's like, wow, you say a lot of nothing, and when you do rarely say something, it's a lie. And she mumbles and stammers through almost everything she says. Uh, and now she's basically admitting that the United States is gonna go all in on critical race theory because of systemic racism. Here's Saki. Uh, delegates of the National Education Association, they approved a measure last week calling for support of, quote, the implementation of culturally responsive education, critical race theory, and ethics studies curriculum in pre-K through 12 and higher education. Um, the president is obviously a big fan of education. Uh, First Lady is a teacher. She's a, a union teacher. I'm wondering, what are the president's thoughts on anti-racism curriculum in the classroom? Well, the president believes that in our history, uh, there are many dark moments. And there is not just slavery and racism in our history. There is systemic racism that is still impacting society today. And he believes, as I believe, as a parent of children, that kids should learn about our history. Uh, so as a, the, the spouse of an educator and as somebody who is, continues to believe that children should learn uh, not just the good, but also the challenging in our history. And that's part of what we're talking about here, even as it's become politically charged. Okay, Jen, you're lying as usual. Here we go, let me unpack it. So first off, nobody's saying we can't teach the dark moments. Literally nobody is saying it. I have not heard one person that has any credibility anywhere saying that we can't teach about the dark moments of our history, that we're not allowed to teach about slavery, that we're not allowed to teach about Japanese internment or any other negative thing that the United States has done, given, given honest assessment of our founding. No one's saying it. Well, you guys are saying it, but nobody else is arguing that these things should not be taught. And I'm gonna go out on a limb here and guess that all of you watching this right now, if you went to school in America, whether you went to private school or public school, you learned a little something about slavery. You learned a little something about the Civil War, the Revolutionary War. You learned a little something about our history. And it didn't just say, oh, America's fantastic. There was no such thing as slavery. Everybody's got a great note and it's always been that way, right? Like this is just absolute uh, nonsense. Then she says, kids should learn about our history. Yes. So we all agree with that. No one's saying that you can't teach the dark moments and everyone's saying you should learn about history. But what she's saying is, yes, we are going to usher in critical race theory and teach everyone about systemic racism. Now for the billionth time, I know they love to play semantic games, but systemic racism, meaning if there was racism in the system, if there were laws that favored one race over another, that would be systemic racism and I would be completely against it, okay? If you said, oh, if you're black, you get this and you're white, you get this, we got a systemically racist problem and we gotta get rid of it. In the times in America where there have been things like that, so like Jim Crow laws, we have gotten rid of those things. We fought a civil war to get rid of them, et cetera, et cetera. And in, in more modern times, you know, in the 80s in New York City, there were laws that I think you could argue were systemically racist. For example, 
if you were arrested for smoking crack, which generally was happening in the inner city by black people, the penalties were higher than say if you were arrested for snorting cocaine, which was happening down on Wall Street, mostly with white people. And there was a disparity in what was going on in terms of the sentencing. We got rid of that, okay? So absolutely, we can, we can acknowledge that there have been laws that have been misguided and, and all of that stuff. And by the way, if you brought cases forward where there were p still people in jail for X while someone else was in jail for Y, when it should have been similar sentencing and they weren't, we could talk about that. Oh, and there was a guy, an orange guy. What was the orange guy's name again? Trump. There was this guy, this orange man named Trump, you may remember him, he's not on social media anymore. He was trying to do all of this stuff, right? He was trying to do this all with uh, prison reform and he was actually doing it despite the best efforts and he was getting uh, the best efforts of the Democrats and he was getting low level, often marijuana offenders who were disproportionately black be taken out of jail. That's what he was doing. But okay, I know we, we don't wanna talk about that. But in essence, you're saying, okay, systemic racism is real. Now, this is not a phrase that Joe Biden ever said in his first 47 years of being in public office. That, that's a little odd. He just completely forgot to say anything about it. And then Joe Biden was also vice president under a black president, uh, Barack Obama, right, right, and uh, didn't do anything about systemic racism, apparently. But now, at 78 years old, and potentially with dementia. Oh, and by the way, uh, I'm not gonna say that Joe Biden has dementia anymore because you know, I've said it, I can't fully diagnose him with dementia. And my sister said to me, you know, you say he has dementia, and I usually say I'm not diagnosing him, but it's like, the, you know, it's a sort of like an amorphous term, like something ain't right with this guy. So I'm gonna say for now on that Joe Biden has OPS. Uh, this is old person syndrome. I think that would be a better way of describing what's going on with Joe Biden. He has OPS, old person syndrome. So he forgot to tell Barack Obama about the systemic racism you know, that he was dealing with in those 47 years. Uh, and then Barack, you know, Barack forgot to do anything about it himself. And here we are. So these people are absolutely ridiculous. But if you think that this thing isn't all tied together and how the unions are involved in everything else, you may remember on Friday, we played this video of Randy Weingarten, who's the president of the largest teachers union. And if you wanna to listen to somebody speaking out of both sides of their mouth, I present you Randy Weingarten. Critical race theory is not taught in elementary schools or middle schools or high schools. It's a method of examination taught in law school and in college that helps analyze whether systemic racism exists, and in particular, whether it has an effect on law and public policy. But culture warriors are labeling any discussion of race, racism, or discrimination, SCRT, to try to make it toxic. They are bullying teachers and trying to stop us from teaching students accurate history. Okay, so this woman, I mean, this is Saki level lying. So on one hand, she's saying it's not being taught. Now we know it is being taught, right? We've given you plenty of examples here, but just in the last couple of days, Chris Rufo, I mentioned him on the show weekly at this point, uh, who's doing the greatest work when it comes to exposing this nonsense. He found a list of 30 school districts in America that are 
teaching it right now by their own doctrines, right? By their own documents that they use to teach at least 30 school districts that are now teaching this stuff in K through 12. So on one hand, she's saying it's not being taught. And then if you listen to the last sentence there, she's saying, but you know, it is an honest assessment of what's going on in the world. And it's an honest assessment of our history. Well. If that's what you believe, lady, then why wouldn't you be teaching it? So everything that these people say is just complete nonsense. And as I often say, we've got our work cut out for us. Uh, let's do one more for you today. Uh, CNN, which is a, I suppose it's a news network of some sort. It's a, it's a fun place run by Democrats like Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo and Jake Tapper and Wolf Blitzer and Jim Acosta. Are any of these people not obviously Democrats? Are any of these people obviously not progressives? I mean, they all are, but they pretend to be an unbiased news network. Now you might say, Dave, but you tell people about the news. You read stories and share your opinion. And yes, I do. And I think you fairly well know my opinion and who I voted for and why I voted and what my biases are and perhaps what my blind spots might be. This is a wonderful thing that we're doing here that I think is, you know, ballpark honest. Let's put it that way, right? Like, you know what I, you know what I think. I really think you, you know as much about what I think about the world pretty much as I do. I really believe that. Uh, Cause I'm just telling you what I think here, right? And then I can, you can match that up with your own reality and you figure out what's what. Well, CNN pretends that it's a news network, an unbiased news network, but it's not. It's, it's a propaganda wing of the Democrat party. And they are really not happy that a certain amount of Americans are not getting vaccinated, right? Now, again, you make a decision for yourself, Masks, you know my feelings about all of this stuff, okay? And we know, again, that 97 to 99.5 roughly a percentage of people who got COVID survived COVID. The people who did not survive had comorbidities, diabetes, cancer, heart disease, a series of other things. Uh, but they really, really want you to get vaccinated on CNN. I, I'm not exactly sure why. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here, but we've got two videos for you. We'll, we'll show one. This is Dr. Jonathan Reiner on CNN talking about mandating vaccines. Uh, I do think uh, it's time to start mandating uh, vaccines. And I think that private industry and private organizations will do that. You know, at GW University, where I work, uh, starting uh, this fall, you can't be on campus unless you're fully vaccinated. Look, I think that we're at, in the part of the pandemic now where the, the problem in this country is that 150 million Americans are not vaccinated. Now, half of that uh, uh, number is uh, less than 18 years of age. But let's look at the adults. 75 million adults have chosen not to get vaccinated. And that choice has consequences. Now, we can't force you to take a jab in the arm, but there are many jobs, perhaps, that can prevent you from working if you decide not to get vaccinated. So I think we need to be more proactive, and I think we will see uh, industry take the lead in this. Ooh, I mean, that should chill. It should send a chill down your spine, the authoritarianism that sits right behind someone who purports to be a medical doctor. So he's saying 150 million people aren't vaccinated, 75 million of them are Americans. And then basically he's talking about well, what the repercussions are if you don't get uh, vaccinated. But notice he didn't mention the medical repercussions because he knows if he was to say what the medical repercussions are if you don't get vaccinated. And by the way, I'm not giving you medical advice. I'm telling you to do what you think you should do and talk to your doctor about it. And that's what, and that's what you should do, right? 
who am I to tell you what to do? And who, who's this TV doctor to tell you what to do? But notice when he says, well, 75 million Americans haven't gotten it, meaning million adults. Now the kids, it's interesting, because he's saying 75 million kids haven't gotten it. He kind of threw that number away. He's coming for the kids. Like they're obviously coming to, to have man, uh, vaccine mandates for the kids, for sure. But just dealing with those Americans, notice when he's talking about the repercussions, his repercussions are you shouldn't be able to go to work, something to that effect. He doesn't say what the repercussions are if you got COVID, because if you got COVID, most likely you would then have the antibodies, you would survive, and if you didn't have comorbidities and you weren't of a certain age and everything else, you would be just fine after. That's the truth. That's the truth. But he really, really wants, you know, where he goes to work at GW, they're going to mandate it, and that we should really encourage other private businesses because maybe it's unconstitutional because of right to privacy and all that. Maybe it's unconstitutional for the government to do it. So maybe we should have private enterprise do it. This, by the way, is very similar to when, you know, people want Twitter and YouTube and everybody else, the big tech guys, to crack down on your speech. The government can't quite do it, right? And you may remember that moment with AOC at one of the hearings when she was basically saying that to Zuckerberg, hey, we can't do it, so why don't you do it? Which is the worst sort of government coercion there is. So these are, these are not good people. Uh, then we've got video, more from CNN, the Democratic operatives at CNN. This is former Planned Parenthood president and current CNN medical contributor Leanna Wen for more on vaccines. I think this really depends on what it is that we do at this point. So now we have this Delta variant that is much more contagious. Because it's more contagious, it's going to be even harder for us to reach herd immunity. We're going to have to vaccinate an even higher proportion of people to get there. What happens then if we end up having another variant developing that's even more contagious, that could cause more disease, that could evade the protection of our immune system? And so how quickly we get this under control and which way we go depends on what we do now now when it comes to vaccination, to overcoming disinformation. And what we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice. It needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. Right now, it's kind of the opposite. It's fine. I mean, it's easy if you're unvaccinated. You can do everything you want to do anyway. But at some point, these mandates by workplaces, by schools, I think it will be important to say, hey, you can opt out. But if you want to opt out, you have to sign these forms. You have to get twice weekly testing. Basically, we need to make getting vaccinated the easy choice. That is what it's going to take for us to actually end the pandemic. Yeah, she's evil. Can you get me the numbers on how many uh, babies Planned Parenthood has killed uh, last, I don't know, give me, give me some numbers on that. We'll get some numbers on that in just a second. Uh, I say that as someone that is begrudgingly pro-choice, as I describe in my book, if you want more of my feelings on that. Um, but she wants to really make this impossible for you to make a medical decision for yourself. Uh, we. She then, of course, brings up the Delta variant, and guess what? There's gonna be an Omega variant, and there's going to be another variant after that, and another one after that, and everything else. And then we're gonna have, you're gonna have to sign papers, right? We're gonna have to show me your papers. You're gonna have to sign papers. We're gonna have to perhaps put you in camps. Maybe we should give you special showers uh, with certain chemicals in those showers. I mean, this all sounds nuts, but we are in a dystopian future and we are in it right now. And it is a confluence of our corporate media, our completely psychotic, out of control Democrat party, RID, uh, you know, which is led by a man with OPS, old person syndrome, and then these, these doctors that get on all of these shows who clearly got nothing right. If any of these doctors got anything right in the last year and a half, then wouldn't everything be just fine right now? Two weeks to flatten the curve. I mean, I say it all the time, guys, but we all did it. 
We all did it, and we gave them more than two weeks, and we were all washing our garb—you know, our our bags. Our when we went to the grocery stores, we all did everything that they asked. Everyone did, and also, can someone explain to me why one of the states that opened up didn't collapse? Why didn't Florida or Texas or Tennessee collapse? And why wasn't New York or California or Michigan perfectly inoculated? Why are the numbers ballpark even remotely the same? And in most cases, they're better in the red states. But if they did completely different policies related to all of this, why were the numbers even remotely the same, right? None of it makes sense. Why is it that not one country somewhere perhaps in Africa that didn't have the technology or the wherewithal or the information to deal with this thing properly. Why did not one country fail? Why didn't we find one city that was completely infected and everyone died? All of this stuff, like I'm just asking questions here, okay? I don't mean to be a crazy right-wing conspiracy theorist when I say all this, I'm just asking the questions, but we didn't. Uh, let's see, um, Planned Parenthood performed 354,000 abortions in 2019 according to live action. What was that? It was around, it's around 1,000 a day roughly. So that's about 1,000 abortions a day. I only bring this up because this woman is very, very concerned about you. She ran Planned Parenthood. They did 1,000 abortions a day. She's very concerned about your health. Uh, as for the health of those babies, I guess perhaps not as much. Um, all right, guys, I feel like this was a chock full of information show for a Monday morning in the summer. We're, we're rolling right into the summer. Uh, as I told you guys last week, I have made my plans for Off the Grid. We're, we're actually setting up a couple shows that we're gonna post in August that are gonna all be about sort of relaxing and getting away from some of this nonsense and everything else. So we're not gonna bludgeon you with content in August because I want everybody to kind of calm down. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, part one of my interview uh, with minority leader of the House, Kevin McCarthy, is up right now. And it's a really interesting interview. We did it, we did it live in studio a couple days ago. And it's really, really interesting because he's got an interesting take. You know, he was sort of in the Trump camp, then not in the Trump camp. He's trying to figure out what the future of the GOP is. He he actually teases some really interesting, interesting information about sort of the radical wing of the Democrats versus the old school wing and what really the inner workings are right there. So it's almost in some ways like there are four parties in America, but we're just pretending there's two. There's sort of the radical lefty socialists that have basically overtaken the Democrats with a couple moderates there. And then what is the future of the Republican Party? Is it the Trump Party or is it more of the traditional Republican Party? And I think he's one of the guys trying to balance that thing out, figure out what it is. You know, I have my feelings on it. He has his, all good. Uh, if you want to talk to me personally, people, we just found out that June was our biggest month of growth ever at rubenreport.locals.com. And there's just tremendous stuff going on with locals uh, right now. And I've been hinting more of it within the community, uh, but that's why I was in Miami. There's just a lot of good stuff going on and uh, we will build. Other people will burn, we will build. I hope you will join us in the building process. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.